0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Catch These Vibes. My name is Charmonique. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to the 90s series that I've been doing for the last two motherfucking seasons and we are on our way to the final stretch. Okay, we got a couple more months left in 2023. By the end of December, we will be done with this series and be moving on to something else. So we are in the spooky season, as we all know. This is actually the first episode of October, and this is going to be a good, good way to end the season. We're going to do the spooky season, get into a little bit more lighthearted movies, and then end the year off with Christmas themed 90s movies. So I'm very excited about that. This episode, we're going to be getting into the movie Misery. So I was asked to do this one. This is a listener request. Shout out to to live listen. She did ask me to do this one. And so I honestly never have seen this. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never watched this movie from beginning to end. So I'm happy to finally do like a movie that I haven't seen before. So here's to that. We're gonna get into Misery that came out in 1990. This is based off of a Stephen King novel titled Misery. The director is Rob Reiner, or Reiner, however you pronounce it. He also is known for The Wolf of Wall Street, The Story of Us, and he's also an actor. He's been in some movies as well. So shout out to him and this movie was actually released on November 30th of 1990. So it stars Dan Kane Can is it Can or Kane? He plays Paul Sheldon. Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes. Richard Farnsworth as Buster. Francis Sternhagen as Virginia. And the movie is about a author, a famous author who is driving from his getaway cabin in colorado so every time when he writes a book he goes to this cabin in colorado every single time by himself and once he's done he obviously he leaves and goes back home and you know still goes to his his literary agent and so he was, I guess, so excited that he finished and, and wanted to get it turned in to the to the agent and everything that he didn't realize that there was a blizzard going on. And so he got caught up in the storm and that caused him to be in a car accident. So little did he know that one of his biggest fans was actually following him. And because of her, she did rescue him from that accident. So it's like she did save his life, but she turned his life into a living hell. So she was one of his biggest fans and she saved him and then held him captive at her home and abused him and forced him to write another book. Okay, so that is what this movie is about. It's about a man being held captive with this crazy ass lady who calls herself his number one fan, who goes into these bits of rage, and it's kind of unpredictable. But as he's, the longer he's there with her, he kind of figures her out a little bit, and he's able to ultimately escape so it's a very interesting story like i said it was my this was my first time actually watching the movie so let's go ahead and get into this movie i do want to play the trailer and get into some did you know facts and you know tell y'all what i thought about it Died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs, and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too. And as soon as the roads open, I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Everybody sure likes those misery books. He had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. My a whale is following you. Who followed Oh, Paul, I read everything of yours but the misery novels. You must be a good man. You could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery chesting Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. Yeah. Dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chestane cannot be dead. Misery Spirit's still alive. I don't want her, Spat! I want her! And you don't You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. are looking for. Eventually you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you think I'm about to please don't do it. it Fear the gods. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. So Kathy Bates actually won best actress in a leading role for this movie. She won an Oscar. So I think that's pretty dope. I think she did a great job in this movie. She played this character Annie very well. She was definitely unhinged the way that she was could be like, you know, the sweetest lady at one minute And then just out of nowhere get really angry and you don't really know what sets, you know, sets her off. And then she could be very cold at some points. So I think she did a great job portraying this psycho um, Annie. She did a really great job. So. I've never done, I haven't done a movie with Kathy Bates, so we can definitely take a look at her filmography. She has a total of 306 titles, but about 128 of those are for actress roles that she has played. So I show that she was recently in a movie called The Miracle Club that came out this year. She was in that movie, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. That looked like an interesting movie. I actually wanna watch that. So let's just start at the beginning or at least the beginning of the 90s and just go through some of her roles that she's been in. So in 1990, she was in a movie called Men Don't Lie, a movie called Dick Tracy, White Palace and Misery all in 1990. 1991, The Road to Mecca, Shadows and Fog, at Play in the Fields of the Lord, Fried Green Tomatoes. Then 1992, Prelude to a Kiss, a movie called Use People, 93, A Home of Our Own. Did a TV series, well, one episode on a show called The Stand that looks like it also starred, also starred, that looks like Molly Ringwald, actually. In 94, she was in a movie called North, Curse of Starving Class. 95, Dolores Claiborne. 95, Angus. The Late Shift in 1996, which was a TV movie. The War at Home, Swept from Sea in 1997. She also was in Titanic in 97. 98, Primary Colors, The Effects of Magic, we know her as Mama Boucher in The Boy*, A movie called A Civil Action. Bruno in 2000, Possessed 2000. She did an episode of Mad TV. She was in the... It looks like she was in Rat Race. She was uncredited though. The Squirrel Lady. Hmm. Interesting. But she did work with Stephen King... A few times because he really loved her performance as Annie Wilkes in Misery. So she was a repeat cast uh, member in his movies. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the movie and talk about that a little bit. So she rescues him from the crash and she takes him home. He has very, very serious injuries. Um, if you watch this and you see, his, some of his injuries is just very like, oh my gosh, like, like, for example, his legs, um, he had a, uh, from the crash, he had a dislocated pelvis, a crushed knee, two shattered legs, so just imagine being in that state, and having to depend on this stranger to look after you, Like, that is a very scary situation to be in in itself. And then on top of that, she just continues to show these different sides of her. Like, one minute she's this sweet lady who's, you know, fangirling over him and, you know, giving him all these compliments. And, oh, I just love you. I just love you, Paul. Oh, and just, you know, just seeming like she's just a fan. And then, as soon as she, as soon as he does something that she don't like, she turns into somebody else, and she starts yelling and screaming at him. And then, does something to physically harm him or make his pain worse. And so, it's just pretty much that going on throughout this this whole um, time that he's under her care. So, Paul had just finished a book. And she asked him if she could read it. And he's just like, you know, normally I don't let anyone read my books early unless it's my agent or, you know, the people that need to. And so she reads it and she was very disappointed by it. Um, she's, She mentioned something about it, there being a lot of cussing in it, there's profanity in it and she didn't, that's something that made her upset. So eventually she tells him to burn the book. Now this is his only copy. He doesn't have any copies because he got to a point in his career or or, or I guess it was like tradition for him to only make one copy of it. And that's just what he did. And she knew that because she was so obsessed with him and knew everything about him that she was aware that that would be the only copy. And so painfully he had to burn that book and so she forces him to do that torches him and makes him you know burn his book which i mean as you can imagine as a writer that's your only book you've worked hard on it you feel like you know this is a great piece of of art that you just worked hard to come up with and then now it has to be burned to the ground. Like it's just I'm pretty sure that was emotional for him. And so, like, the next day or so, she's like, she gets him a typewriter and gets him a paper and she's like, Now this is gonna be your your studio, your writer's studio, and I want you to, you know, write another book. So one of the other things that she was very upset about was the fact that he killed off her favorite character met misery, and so what she wanted him to do is make another book that brought misery back to life and so that's something that she felt very proud to I guess influence him on you know making this new book that the other book he had wrote wasn't good enough, and like she was doing him a favor, basically, and so he starts writing this new book so the whole time i mean it already pretty much said it in the trailer like that trailer said a lot that trailer told the whole movie but yeah so when she first rescued him she made up a lie that oh the roads are closed so the the phone lines are down but as soon as every you know the roads open again i'll take you to the hospital um he asked to call his daughter because i think it was his He wanted to let her know that he was all right or and i think it was her birthday or something and but she was like the phone lines are down as soon as they're back up i'll let you call you know so she was you know stringing him along you know at that point he didn't really know that she was crazy as fuck. so once she gives him the typewriter and the paper he lets her know that the paper smudges, and he's going to need different type of paper, and so that makes her upset. Like she gets so upset about that, she's just like, "Oh, okay, I see. Well, you don't appreciate anything that I've done." And then she like throws a box on his legs. You know, it's just she does things like that to put him in more pain. So that gives him the opportunity to to sneak out of the room. That he was being held captive in. And that's when he realizes that she don't even have a working phone. So he's like, what the fuck? She, this lady really been lying all this time. Like, there's no phone. Okay. So he's like, okay. At that point, he's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm fucked. Like, I got to figure something out. And so he, he stops taking the medicine that she was giving him. And... Every now, every so often, he would, like, sneak out the room when she would leave, and he would, you know, discover more things. So, every, while this is going on, obviously, people are concerned. His agent had called the town sheriff and let let him know that she was looking for him. He didn't, he, he never never came to new york he never made it and that was concerning after it was like a week um so eventually the longer that he was missing uh, i believe they finally discovered his car or saw his car and so they just was like assumed that he was dead um but the sheriff you know doing his good sheriff work he he was still, you know, doing his research and investigating and trying to figure out what happened to him because it was basically a mystery. Um there I mean, if he was in a crash, where's his body? Like, you know, there's just different things that wasn't really adding up. So he was doing his investigative work and back at the cabin, Paul, he's writing the book and trying to make her happy and every ever so often after he will you know make progress he will let her read it and then she'll be happy about it or she'll say you know give her thoughts about it and things like that so one time he sneaks out of the room and he finds this book that she has It's, it's like a book of memories and it just has all these different news clippings, newspaper clippings in it about different people who, who, who were murdered, who died. Um, then he gets to a section where it's talked about several babies ending up dying. And it turns out that she was charged with it. She was a nurse. And she was charged with killing these babies. Now, I'm not sure if she got away with it. Maybe she was tried, charged, and tried, but found not guilty. I'm not sure, like what happened, because I imagine if you are charged with killing babies, that you will be in prison. So maybe she did get away with it, or and, and and didn't get charged with it, or something. I'm not very very clear on that. But yeah, so he's like he's seeing all these newspaper clippings, and he's like, wow, this lady really is a fucking cycle. So now he's like on high alert and he's like, I got to keep a keep a knife on me. So what he decides to do is he, he takes the pills that she's been giving him and she, he empties them and puts it in this little um, piece of paper that he created so that he can have it pile up and be able to use it to poison her with. And so he's like... I think he, he got to like a point in the book where he was almost done. And so, or he was making a lot of progress and they wanted, he wanted to celebrate with her. So he's like, let's have dinner. So she does, they have this whole dinner and, and she dresses up and, you know, it almost seems like a regular night. And he gets her to get up. He pours the medicine into her wine glass so he could try to poison her. But she, when she comes back, she accidentally knocks the glass over. And then, you know, so since she knocked it over, she wasn't able to, to take it. So that plan failed. And so he's like, okay, that didn't work. I gotta figure something else out, so she pretty much finds out that he had been sneaking out of the room. She realized because he had accidentally knocked over one of her one of her little things that she had on her table. I think it was a was it a penguin? I think it was a penguin. One of them, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a penguin. But he knocked it over. It was a little miniature penguin statue that she had. And she was like, it's usually pointing due south or something like that. So that's how she knew that he was coming out of the room because she noticed things was out of order. So she found the knife that he was hiding under his mattress. And she pretty much tied him up. To the bed so that he couldn't so he couldn't you know get up anymore and at this point he he was like getting healed like his feet were his legs were healed and you know he was getting back to his his normal self he still was wheelchair bound but at least he was healing and with that progress he was eventually going to be able to start walking again So what she decides to do, which this part is fucked up and very dark, she decides to break his feet so he couldn't move, you know, and to slow down his process. And she's like, oh, it's for the best, you know, so she just did that. And that way he couldn't leave because she she knew that eventually, oh, you're going to heal and you're gonna be able to walk again, and and to, and because she found out that he was sneaking out of the room, she thought that that was the best idea, the best thing to do. So he gets back to writing the book, and she. So she comes into his room one day, and it's raining, and her appearance is a bit off. Usually she's, you know, in her own way she's put together. But this day she was just looking a little different, and a little, you know, like, okay, what's wrong with you, Annie? What's going on? What's going on, girl? So she explains to him that someday, sometimes she gets down in the dumps. I don't know if it was because of the rain or what. She was just feeling depressed, thinking about how he doesn't love her and how he's going to leave her one day. And so she expresses to him that she's been carrying around a gun. And she shows him the gun. And she's like, I'm I'm going to go find some bullets. And he's like, oh, hell no. I got to get the fuck out of here. So the sheriff, so one day, the sheriff, he sees Annie in town. Because she just brought attention to herself. She got into it with another person in the town. I guess they almost kind of crashed into each other. And she was just kind of very loud and rude about it. And so he was just like, hmm. Something. Something about that lady. So he goes to the library. And he, he looks up some things about her. And he finds the case. The newspaper clippings about her um having to go to court for being charged with the the baby's deaths and he notices that she quoted one of paul's books and so that kind of he was putting the you know putting the the pieces together and so he goes to the store that she goes to all the time and asks you know what does she usually get? And, you know, the person told him that she always gets the books, Paul Sheldon's books, the misery books, and that she um, has been going and getting some paper. And so he's just putting all the pieces together and he decides to go pay her a visit. So he goes out to her cabin. And of course, she hides him, she hides Paul. And puts him in her basement on the floor um, after she kind of like knocked him out unconscious. And so he looks around. Well, she did it. She did it. She hid him behind. I guess it was a basement, but it wasn't the entry to the basement was hidden. So it was. He didn't know. The sheriff didn't really know. About the basement because the door wasn't just like a regular door, you know, that you could see um, without, you know, really, really looking. And so he looks around and she tells him this bullshit lie about how she was inspired by Paul and decided to get a typewriter and finish his work and, and start doing books and things like that. And so the sheriff, he after he looks around and feels i guess content with everything he's seen he's like he he leaves and so as he's leaving he hears a loud noise in her house and so he goes back back in and he's trying to check on her and then that's when paul was able to finally make a sound and say that he that he was down there and so I don't know, the sheriff, he was tripping. This was not good sheriff work on his part. So he, he opens the door to the basement and he sees Paul down there. And he's like, Paul Sheldon? And that's when Annie shoots him with with her shotgun right in the back. So he, he's dead. And obviously Pauls feeling like damn that was my only hope and so at this point Paul he has to do something and so he thinks fast and he he starts saying different things to her to make her cuz she was about to kill him like she was about to kill him cuz she's like well people are going to show up and yeah i don't I feel like this would be best if I just kill you right now. But he basically convinces her to let him finish the book because it's like, don't you want to know what happens? Don't you want to know how it ends? So he sweet talks her and she's like, okay, I'm going to make you something to eat. So he goes back to typing away and trying to hurry up and finish the book. And she's, you know, super excited about how the book's going to end and how, misery is going to end up and who she's going to end up with because i guess it was like a romance story or whatever and so what he does is he gives gives payback on her for what she did to him and he does that i mean what he does to do that is he sets the book on fire so obviously she starts going crazy because she wants to read it she wants to know what happens she wants to know how the story ends and because she was so obsessed she immediately starts trying to put the fire out and he uses that as an opportunity to knock her the fuck out with the typewriter so he knocks her out with the typewriter and they just start fighting and this is when he starts shoving the burnt book down her throat and He's just had enough. Like, bitch, you've been torturing me. You've been abusing me. You didn't help me captive for all this time with your crazy ass. Like, I am ready to fucking go. I need to get out of here. You was not about to kill me. I'm not about to die in here by your hands. I got to get out of here. So they fighting, fighting to the death. And so he was able to eventually kill her and survive. So he was able to get up out of there. Um, It doesn't really show like how, who saved him or who came, but obviously people probably knowing that the sheriff drove up there and he didn't come back, people were going to come looking for him. So people came and obviously they found the scene with everyone there the sheriff dead annie dead and this missing author named paul so he makes it out alive and he heals up and everything And i think it said like a year later or something like that and he he was he did another book and the the movie just ends with him speaking with his agent and he just they're talking about his experience, and I think that the the his agent wanted him to write a book about his experience, but he's he's kind of traumatized by it because it's just like now every time somebody say they my number one fan, I'm looking at them sideways like I don't want to hear that again. Like he's traumatized because Annie Wilkes was his number one fan, and she took that fandom to the extreme and tried to kill him so i think it's a it's a very interesting movie it's very dark and like you know not what you expect like i didn't think it was going to be as dark as it was like i don't i don't know what i really expected because like i said this is my first time watching it so but i think i'm i think it was good and i think That Oscar that Kathy Bates won was definitely well-deserved. She did a really great job in this role. And yeah, that's misery. So as I mentioned already, Stephen King was quite impressed with Kathy Bates' performance in this film, so much so that he later wrote two more roles for her. The title role in his novel Dolores Claiborne was written with Bates in mind and Bates later starred in the film adaptation of Dolores Claiborne, which came out in 95. King also wrote the script for a TV miniseries, The Stand. His original novel featured a male character named Ray Flowers with a Y. Upon reading or upon hearing that Bates wanted to be involved in the miniseries, King rewrote the part as a woman, Ray with the E, just so Bates could play the part. So one of Stephen King's first typewriters had a malfunctioning in-key just like the one used by Paul in the movie. In the novel, the typewriter also drops its T and E keys. Those two letters are second and first most commonly used letters in the English language respectively, making Paul's job even tougher. So Annie Wilkes is actually Stephen King's favorite written character because she was always surprising to write with unexpected depth and sympathy. And that is true, you never really knew when she was going to have these like bits of anger episodes. It just was, it was unexpected and you didn't know like what was going to tick her off. So Jack Nicholson was offered the role of Paul Sheldon, but passed because he was not sure he wanted to do another movie based on one of Stephen King's novels. After what he had experienced with Stanley Kubrick on The Shining and The Shining came out in 19, 1980. Very odd movie. Stephen King was initially reluctant to sell the film Rise to Misery because he was skeptical that a Hollywood studio would make a movie faithful to his vision. However, King was impressed with one adaptation of his work, Stand By Me, and agreed to sell Misery under the proviso that Rob Rayner would either produce or direct the film so rob rayner studied alfred hitchcock movies to figure out how to shoot a thriller watching every hitchcock film rayner had hitchcock on the brain so much that james overheard rainer chastising himself one day on set asking himself who do you think you are alfred hitchcock so misery was almost turned into a broadway play with Julia Roberts as Annie Wilkes. King vetoed the idea because Annie is, in his words, a brawny woman who can sling a guy around, not a pixie. However, in 2015, a Broadway adaptation was ultimately produced to critical and commercial success, starring Bruce Willis as Paul Sheldon and Laurie Metcalf as Annie Wilkes. So Rob Rainer was questioned before heading into production if this was really the right project for him as his background was mostly comedy up to this point. He stated, it's important for me to find my way into the film. And as you will see, the movie's really about a man who is trapped by his own success and is desperately trying to break out and establish himself in a different way. I felt very much close or very, I felt very much those feelings when I finished all in the family. Stephen King had originally planned to release the novel under his pseudo, pseudonym Richard Bachman. While writing it, however, it was discovered that King was Bachman. King subsequently published the novel under his real name and announced that Bachman had died from cancer of the pseudonym. King would revive the pseudonym in 1996 and 2007, publishing two more Bachman book, books posthumously, and the first was The Regulators, the second was blaze so annie wilkes is actually ranked the 17th most iconic villains in the american film institute's list of 100 heroes and villains in 1991 kathy bates became the first woman to win an oscar for actress in a horror or thriller film the first performer to win an oscar for a horror film was frederick march for his performance as a title character in dr Jekyll in Mr. Hyde. The only other winners for acting in a horror film were Ruth Gordon for her performance as Mia Farrell's new neighbor with the hidden agenda in Rosemary's Baby, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster for best actor and best actress in Signs of the Lambs, and Natalie Portman for best actress in Black Swan. That's interesting because people do talk about I, I do hear people talk about how horror doesn't really get nominated for Oscars like it has in the past, I guess. I don't remember the last time that a, a someone was nominated for um, for their work in a horror movie. So, that's interesting. So, the film downplays one of the key themes in the book. Paul's addictions and substance abuse and how this that plays into his captivity. The book gives us a lot of backstory about his history of substance abuse and how he recently got himself back on track. Being held in captivity, coupled with her feeding him Narville pills all the time. Narrill is a fictional form of codeine and opiate. Has caused Paul to relapse and he has swung into a full on addiction to the codeine pills. These scenes of the drug-addicted writer banging away compulsively at the typewriter as a kind of panacea bring up memories, not just of the shining and his substance-abusing writer, but also of King himself, who was the real deal and the inspiration for all of this. King himself has said that Annie is a symbol of Paul's own addictions come to life, holding him captive, trying to kill him. The car accident scene was captured with a setup involving nine cameras, six or seven of which actually function. We knew we weren't going to be able to throw a car off a cliff too many times. So Annie displays traits associated with an array of mental illness, illnesses. At the very least, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, Munchausen syndrome by proxy, a severe personality disorder with paranoia, antisocial and borderline features, and likely some sort of schizophrenic or schizoaffective spectrum disorder. In a special feature on the collector's edition DVD, a forensic psychologist described Annie as a virtual catalog of mental illness. So, Paul Sheldon's novels are published by Viking, which is the same publishing company that published Stephen King's books at that time. This was the first feature produced by Rob Rainer's company, Castle Rock Entertainment, named for the small town appearing in his previous film, Stand By Me, and in several other stories by Stephen King. The novel this, is fil- this film is based on, however, has more connections to a neighboring town in his fictional universe, Derry. As a child, Paul Sheldon was friends with Eddie Kasprake, moved to boston after the events in it misery takes place in the fictional town of sidewinder colorado near the overlook hotel the setting of the shining the character of dick hilaran also served in the army with the father of mike hanlon another character from it so when paul's car is found he is assumed to be dead in a subplot original to the film, coincidentally, on June 19, 1999, author Stephen King was hit by a car with some initial reports saying he had died. King eventually incorporated the incident, or that accident, into his book, The Dark Tower, which also briefly mentioned Annie Wilkes. So Kathy Bates was stage trained and preferred extensive rehearsals, while James was more extinctive and naturalistic. So they had to balance the rehearsal time to make it less than she wanted and more than he wanted. All right. Thank y'all for tuning in. That is the end of our episode. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and be blessed. Vibe out.